The desire of Titus Women is to invite women around the world to know Jesus as their Savior, Center, and Source. May God guide and encourage you through this message by Beth Coppage. I'd like to have us turn in our attention to Acts 3. And now Peter and John went up together to to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from birth, they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who seen Peter and John about to go in, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But instead, Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple. And walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he who had sat by the te- te- begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Then verse 13. Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of Jesus. And then the last, if you will turn to verse 25, you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, in your seed all the families of the earth will be blessed. To you first, God has raised up his servant Jesus and sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. Dear Lord Jesus, we want to invite you today to just come and take over. Would you open up the word to our hearts and would you let this day be a transformational day in every single one of us here? We are trusting you and believing you, and we invite you to come in and just take over. So, Lord, we look forward with expectation for what you're going to do in our midst and for what you're going to do in each one of our hearts. And we love you and we worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen. It's interesting to note in Acts that after the Holy Spirit comes upon the believers, the 120 in the upper room, he quickens them to be able to become witnesses for, for G, to Jesus Christ and for Jesus Christ. That that they weren't able to do in the Gospel of Luke. I think Peter wanted to be able to share the night that he betrayed him, but he wasn't able to. There was no power to share and to identify himself with Jesus. And it may be true in your life that you want to tell others about Jesus, but there's simply not the power to do so. There's not the power to identify with Jesus. But when the Spirit came, we can see the transformation in the life of Peter and in the life of John, these two fishing buddies. And look where God's taken them since they first, we first saw them in Luke 5 when Jesus said, could I please borrow your boat, guys, because the people are so pressing to hear me preach that I'm going to end up in the, in the water. And so Jesus got in one of their boats, Peter's boat, and they were doing their nets and cleaning them. And he pushed out from the shore so he could teach the people. 
And then remember in Luke 5 where he says, um, have you guys caught any fish? No, no. He said, well, let's launch out into the deep. And you know they thought, well, what do you know as a carpenter about fishing? And he said, just put your nets on the other side. And they did, and then they couldn't haul in the fish. And then Peter goes, I am a sinful man. And he was aware of the sterility of his own heart condition. And then Jesus says this promise, follow me and I will make you fishers of men or people would be more currently correct. I will make you fishers of people. And so what is happening today is we're seeing a fulfillment of what Jesus said in Luke 5. And these two fishing buddies are back at it again, only this time they literally are fishing for people, not just fish. And so Peter and John, after Peter's first sermon, are on their way to where? Where are they headed? To prayer meeting. So the two of them are on their way to an afternoon prayer meeting that meets in the temple. Now, I think before we're even through with the first sentence or two in this chapter, we've learned two important principles. One is that if you and I spend time with the Lord Jesus, like they did for three years, and if you and I are filled with the Spirit, Jesus can make you and I fishers of people as well. And he can use us as witnesses for Jesus Christ. And the word witness means martyr. And a one who has laid down his life for Jesus. Now, God may not call you and I to be martyrs physically for the cause of Christ. But in the very name itself, if you and I are going to truly be witnesses for Jesus, we have to come to the place in our own life where we allow the knife of the cross to go into our self-centeredness and our self-will so that we have laid down our lives and identified ourselves with the person of Jesus Christ so that he can live his life out in us and we are witnesses just by the fact of the indwelling presence of Jesus. So and. So they spent time with Jesus. They were laid down their lives and were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. And then they were men of prayer. They were men of individual prayer, prayer alone, and corporate prayer. Now, I want to know today, one, are you a witness for Jesus? Two, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit so you're enabled to be a witness for Jesus? Three, are you a woman of prayer? Do you pray alone? Do you meet every week with other women to pray? Are you a woman of prayer? And it was on their way to this prayer meeting that they met a beggar. And he was a lame man. And what does scripture tell us about him? He had been lame from his mother's womb. And people would come every day and take him to the gate beautiful at the temple so he could beg for alms. And, when he's, and he's lying there. And he sees Peter and John and he said, could you give me some money so I can live? And then Peter has this classic line that he and John say, they say, look at us. The same way that we say to our children, wait a minute, I'm talking to you, honey. Can you look me in the eyes so I know you're listening and you're hearing? Okay, mommy wants to see your eyes. And that's how Peter handles it. He said, look at me. So there's no distractions. He says, look at me. He says, silver and gold I don't have, but that that I have I will give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. There is power in the name of Jesus. And there's power in the person of Jesus. Then he reached out and took, up, took his hand and he lifted him up. And I love this part. Immediately strength came to his feet and his ankle bones. And the man that had never walked since he had been born begin, stands up. 
Well, he's jubilant and he leaps and he praises God and he jumps around and says, and because he can walk. Now this immediately draws a crowd. Now when God does signs and wonders in our lives and in our midst and among us as the people of God, it is never because he is trying to draw attention to the signs and wonders. What he is trying to do is have an opportunity for the world to see Jesus. So all signs and wonders and miracles point to Jesus. And we notice here immediately as Peter begins preaching his second sermon, he immediately gets the attention of the crowd off the sign, off the miracle, and puts it right on, and off themselves and onto Jesus. Because God is looking for an opportunity to show to a lost world what the, what the name of Jesus can do. And they began to run and see what had happened. And as they ran to see what had happened, they looked around and then Peter saw his opportunity to preach Jesus and he didn't miss it. And he began to share Jesus. I had the sweetest time as I was getting ready for sharing today. It's so fun to, to teach the word. Um, and I, I just covet that for all of us. I'm praying the Lord will lift up Bible teacher out of Bible teacher out of this group. But the Lord blessed my heart so much getting ready. Um, but one of the stories I read, remember the gifted um, English preacher, Samuel Chadwick, who's a Methodist preacher. And he, he didn't have much education, but he had gotten filled with the Holy Spirit. And he was a man on fire for the Holy Spirit. Well, he, he went into one of the mining towns in England, and he had a passion to share Jesus. So he didn't know quite how to do it. And every town he would go into, he would ask God to give him a Lazarus. The one in the town that was the most lost, usually it was an alcoholic and a drunk and an abusive person. And he'd say, God, I claim that Lazarus for you because they won't come to hear my preaching, but if you resurrect that man and transform his life, everybody will come to see that Lazarus. And he was right. And he had courage and faith to believe it. So he went into this town to share Jesus, and he knocked at this first door, the house. And this big, brawny woman comes to the door, a miner's wife. And he said, could I borrow a chair? She goes, no, slam the door. So then he goes, hmm, now what do I do, Jesus? So he goes, well, I'm going to ask her again. He knocked again. Could I borrow a chair? No. And she cussed him out and shut the door. So then he goes, well, I don't think I'm going to the next house to do it again. And the Lord gave him the, he said, and she said, I told you and swore some more. He said, what if I give you a shilling? Would you loan me a chair? Well, I didn't say that in the first place. So he pulls out a shilling. And then he said, I'll give you another shilling if you will hold the chair for me so I don't fall off. She said, man, you're crazy. He said, well, just a little, but would you do that? For two shillings, I'll do it. So they took the kitchen chair out. He stood on a little hill in the center of the town, and he climbed on the chair. And this big, brawny woman held the chair. And so everybody's walking back and forth through the town, and they all started together. And they said, what are you doing? He didn't say a word. 
what are you doing? Didn't say a word. But the crowd got bigger. Everybody started talking. No, but he didn't say anything. Finally, the woman said, you're crazy. And she turned and stalked off. And by that time, he had a great big crowd. And then he just gave him Jesus. <laughs> and when they preached Jesus, one of the ones that was touched was the town Lazarus. And then that night he said, come and see what God has done. And revival broke out as the whole town and community came to see the local drunk who had found Jesus and was transformed. And so that's what we have. We have a crowd that's come. He's not standing on a chair, but Jesus has done a miraculous work. And they all come and they begin to say, what is this about? And he immediately says, wait a minute, don't be amazed. He said, remember what I told you in the last chapter, what, what happened before? He said, it's not through our power or our godliness. It's through Jesus, the one, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant, Jesus. And he is the one that you delivered and you denied to Pilate, even though he wanted to let him go. He was the holy one, the just one. And you chose a murderer for the one who is the author of life. It's very interesting, the names of Jesus there, the Holy One, the Just One, the author of lives, all messianic names that this Jewish audience knew. And so as he says, you chose a murderer instead of the one who in all life is held. And so as he began to preach, he said, this is the name that is above every name. And this is how this man has been healed. And then he began to say, repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out and that times of refreshing may come to your heart. And that is the same thing he says to us today, that God wants us to come to the place where we repent and we're converted and our sins are blotted out so that times of refreshing can come from the presence of Jesus. I want to know today, are you living in the times of refreshing that come from the presence of Jesus? Do you know what is on my heart in this chapter? I believe that you and I many times have an experience where we're born again. And we have an experience where we have, we feel like we've been filled with the Spirit. And we may have been filled with the Spirit. But we immediately move into works righteousness. So that we start out with the Spirit, living our life in the Spirit, in the joyful overflow. But then we get slightly sidetracked. And so that we begin to help God out so we can live like we should. So it becomes easily becomes that bootstrap religion. And it is very, very exhausting and tiring. And you and I begin to go like this in an over, over roller coaster existence. He wants us to live in the refreshment of his presence so that every single day we wake up enjoying Jesus. Is that your personal reality today? And he wants that. Not only for us, where the, he wants it for our children, our families, our husbands, for all those that we love. Once again in this chapter, I'm amazed because he said Jesus Christ is the one who is, is at the right hand of the Father and he is le- he's at, in heaven with the Father and he will be there until all things are restored. But the one who is with us is the Holy Spirit and that the prophets foretold this day and foretold exactly what is occurring in history right now. And then he quoted to this very Jewish audience, the prophet Moses, and he said, Moses said there will be a greater than I that is coming. And he, when, and if you do not listen to him and you do not hear him, 
you will be utterly destroyed. Then he said all the prophets spoke of the Messiah that was to come and the Messiah is Jesus Christ. And then he goes on and he says, you are sons of the prophets because you are sons of Abraham. And just like he started his sermon, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Even so, he says, Abraham, remember his covenantal promise to us as Jewish people. The covenantal promise was that in your seed, all the families of the earth would be blessed to you first to the Jews first, when he raised up Jesus Christ, he sent him to bless you and turn away every one of you from iniquity or hidden sin. Did you know what I believe he's saying here? I believe he's saying is the same thing that he said to them to us today. God wants to come to us as women and he wants to make a difference in our life so that we know the joy of living in the fellowship of Jesus Christ. We talked last week about the restoration of being created again in the image of God as we know God as Savior and the restoration of being created and the beauty of holiness and in the fellowship with the Father, Son and Spirit and the agape fellowship fellowship with one another, that God wants to recreate us personally. But once again, God isn't just thinking of the t- you and me alone. He sees us in relationship with each other and relationships in our families because he's triune so that he lives in relationship, the father, son, and spirit. You and I are to live in relationship with the father, son, and spirit. Then he were to live in family relationships and then in body of Jesus relationships. My kids used to say to me, are they our real family mama or our Jesus family? I'd say, well, they're our Jesus family. Or if it, and so they, they, were, they knew they were family, just which family? Were they blood family or Jesus family? That is a very, that's how it is. So that today, I believe God is calling us as women to begin to ask God to heal us and to heal others in our, in, our, in our family and in our web of relationships, that the refreshing of Jesus Christ might become a personal reality in my life, but then might become a personal reality in those that I love and that I am supposed to stand in the gap for. And too often in our relationship with Jesus, I believe we can go on 10 years, 5 years, 20 years, 30 years, where we limp. We know him. We're saved. We've been filled with the Spirit. We've made many trips to the altar. We've surrendered until there's nothing more to surrender. But to know the joy and the power that Peter and John knew that day, to know the joy and the power that Samuel Chadwick knew that day, we don't have any idea. And we live limping. And I believe God wants to come and I believe he wants to set us free. And in the name of Jesus Christ, he wants to heal the limps in our lives. Remember last year when we talked about when the bed covers don't fit in Isaiah 28? And I thought, Lord, what does that mean? That verse seems like such a worthless verse. It's the play. And when I took that walk, he said, Beth, the places in your life that are not built on truth are places where you are still pulling and pushing and trying to make fit and they just won't fit because they're not built on truth. Jesus is the way. Jesus is life and Jesus is truth. And he wants to come today and set us free so the bed covers do fit. So we don't live 25 more years limping along and talking all about and knowing in our head that this should be 
and knowing we shouldn't live below our privileges as children of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, but not having any idea or choosing not to have any idea of how to let God come and appropriate his power in the name of Jesus to set us free and not only us free, but those that we love free. (laughs) I believe he wants us to be free people. So that as we walk out, there is we walking and leaping and praising God. So that when, and it doesn't depend on circumstances, it depends on his presence and his reality in our lives. Now today, sometimes, and in my own life this is true, and I've shared it with you, but when we can have, we can meet God in full surrender at salvation and then meet him in full surrender and his spirit comes and fills us with himself. But then Jesus, you and I are so broken that Dr. Jesus has to come and begin to set us free in deeper dimensions of our psyche. And he has to come and heal us from generational sin. He has to heal us from generational responses. So that you see, we get in a situation with our kids and we respond like our mother did, whether that was good or bad. And God wants to say, I want to transform you so you begin to respond like I respond. Whether you're at home or whether you're wherever you are, your responses become my responses. That we aren't conditioned like Pavlov's dog, that God can come and transform us. And that he can set us free. And the limping places that are not built on truth, even after we've been filled with the Spirit, God can come and set our hearts free and transform us. And he begins to show us, this needs to be touched, Beth, this needs to be touched, and that needs to be touched. And then you and I can begin to bring our, those broken places that need healing to the light of Jesus and say, in the name of Jesus, would you come and set me free so I know what it is to be full, led, empowered, and anointed by God. No one else in the world can do it, but Jesus can. And Jesus wants to just transform us. And the devil wants us to live in brokenness, in defeatedness, and limping our whole Christian life through. And we can come to Jesus and say, no, that is enough. And today, I want to have a healing service. (laughs) I want to have a healing service. And some of us need to come because there's hurt in our hearts that has turned to bitterness. And women, when you get to my age, It is very easy to be cynical because you are disappointed with how things have worked out at different areas in your life. There are places you feel God has let you down. There are people that most assuredly have let you down. There are people that have not understood you. You haven't been able to, life just beats hard enough that you just go. And it's easy to become cynical and bitter. So we still have experiences we've had But to live in the times of refreshment, walking, leaping, and praising God, we don't know anything about it anymore. And we need God to just set us free so that that bitterness knows the healing touch of Jesus. There's some of us in our marriages. God wants to come in and do a new thing in us, first of all, changing us, but then begin to move in to change our our loved ones and our husbands. Just like even last summer when God said to me, when that Isaiah 28, there's some tapes that you and I'll still play that I want to break. And I, and I just said, 
Well, because you get in certain situations, you punch a button and he pushes your button and out comes tape. And then he pushes and out comes his tape. He said, you're not communicating in love or in honesty and integrity. You're just playing tapes at each other. And he said, I want permission to come in and just smash every one of those tapes. I said, Jesus, are you that big? (laughs) And he is. He just came in and he just started smashing those tapes so that now there is an integrity. Do you need integrity with God and men? Do you need integrity with God and women? Do you need integrity with your children? And you may not know exactly how to relate. You just know there's a problem. The bed covers don't fit. That's where you and I can go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't know how to put this right. But if you will sow and fill me, I I will... And I will obey you and follow you so that you can heal me and you can heal this relationship. God can do it with your mother-in-law. God can do it with your father-in-law. God can do it with your parents. God can do it with your children. God can do it with the neighbors. He can do it with husbands. He can do it at work. He can do it at school. God can come in so that as much as is possible in line within your power, he can give you integrity with God and men so that Jesus Christ builds your life on truth and you know the way to live and he becomes your life. And the life Jesus gives is full of overflowing joy because he is joy and the joy of Jesus no man can take from us. And we don't live that way. And God says, you limp. So that the world says, well, they're no better than we are. They, I mean, they, they, I don't see any more victory in their life than I have. And so the Christian community, we do not appropriate all that God has so the world around us can say, if God can do that for them, maybe there's hope for the likes of me. Oh, Jesus, if we could just hear him today. This is from Exodus. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. It's 1522. And they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days and found no water. And then when they came to Marah, they couldn't drink the waters because it was bitter. And they called the name of the place Marah, bitterness. And the people complained against Moses, what shall we drink? And he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statue and an ordinance for them, and he tested them. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you, which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees, and they camped by the waters. Do you know what? That has been the sweetest thing. Because look, they have deliverance from the enemy. 14 and 15 talks about how the Egyptians pursued him. God made a way through the Red Sea and then he allowed the enemy to be cast into the sea and drowned. Sing unto the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. 
But then they go three days away from that miracle and there's no water and they're so thirsty. Then they find water and they can't drink it. It's bitter. And they're just overwhelmed with grief and anger. And they cried out to the Lord and he showed him a tree. And he threw the tree into that water and they were sweet. And then he said, if you will obey me, I will heal you. I am the Lord who heals you. And there will be refreshing for your mind, heart, soul, body, and spirit. Seventy palm trees and twelve wells. Do you know what? Are there any places inside you, even though you've been delivered from the evil one, where there's bitter water that needs the touch of God? And once again, it is the tree, the cross, as you and I come to the cross and allow the blood of Jesus to be applied to every area of our brokenness as well as our heart, mind, soul, body, and spirit. He can make bitter water sweet and he can heal us. And not only that, he can heal those we love. And do you know what? You say, well, Beth, you don't know my situation. It is absolutely impossible. Yippee! Because impossible situations are God's opportunity to work. Look at this situation. The man is over 40 years of age. He has never walked since the day he was born. And we have a transcendent God who is a God of impossible situations, impossible relationships, impossible whatever. And he is and in those impossible places. It is where the glory of God can shine as he begins to bring transformation, healing and refreshing. I want to know today. Would you like to come to Jesus to be healed. And I want to just, we're going to do something a little different. And it can be healing for you. It can be healing for a loved one. It can be physical healing, mental healing, emotional healing, psychological healing, or spiritual healing. And we're going to invite a number of women to come up and I'm going to serve and Mary Lou and I are going to pour oil like it talks about in James and then we're going to have a cup of oil and then we're going to come and as you come forward and kneel just share with the women that are on the other side of the altar share what you want Jesus to heal in his powerful name and then you pray and ask for the healing for you or for another. And then they are going to anoint you with oil and then they're going to pray over you. Then ladies, when the prayers get finished, they're going to turn around because we're going to need prayer as well. And could some of you linger to pray over the prayers? (laughs) 
So we all meet together in the powerful name of Jesus Christ at his feet that when we leave this room today, places where we walked in psychologically, spiritually, emotionally, limping, physically, God will come and heal. Now, God does not always heal physically because even like remember in 2 Corinthians where he talks about he left the thorn in the flesh for Paul and he allowed it as a greater gift to him so that in his weakness he might know God's strength as he ministered, not out of Paul's all-sufficiency, but out of his weakness. But Jesus could transform even that weakness and that thorn in the flesh so that it could be used for God's glory and the redemptive purposes of the world and for the good of Paul. And as we come today and bring him our needs and the places we need healing, God can do the same thing for us. If we'll come. The prayer of faith is what healed the little lame man that day. Do you believe there's power in the name of Jesus for not your neighbor, but you? (laughs) That's hard. Do you believe there's power in the name of Jesus for your home and your marriage? Do you believe it? Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. If anyone has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of righteous women avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, but he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it didn't rain for three years and six months. But then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. If anyone among you wanders from the truth, any of us today, and someone turns them back, let them know that he has turned a sinner from the error of his ways, and he has saved a soul from death and covered a multitude of sins. In the name of Jesus Christ, the strong, powerful name of Jesus Christ, the God who heals you and me. I invite you this morning to come and meet our healer God. If you want to learn more about Titus Women, visit us online at tituswomen.org.